seeking forgiveness. I want to say to you with all my heart, I am very sorry. Mixed reaction to the Pope's apology. I feel relieved. And how it's only a first step. An apology isn't a get-out-of-jail card. Also tonight, Canada drops the COVID travel test. I think it's going to be exhilarating for people who do cross-border shopping. Day-trippers make a run for the border. Canada. And World Cup draw. I think Canada will be a team that scares everyone in this group. Sizing up the competition in Group F. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. It's an apology that had been sought for decades. Today, speaking to a delegation of First Nations, Inuit, and Metis leaders at the Vatican, Pope Francis said sorry to Indigenous peoples for the deplorable abuses they suffered in Canada's residential schools, many of which were run by the Catholic Church. Nithu Garcha is at the Vatican with more on the apology and the reaction of the delegates. Nithu. Sophie, survivors and their families will all have different perspectives on the Pope's apology and like the tragic announcement of unmarked burials at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School last May, this moment has brought with it fresh demands for accountability. This was the scene outside the Vatican moments after the final meeting with Pope Francis. The pontiff expressing, quote, indignation and shame over Canada's residential schools and asking for forgiveness for the, quote, deplorable conduct of those members of the Catholic Church. I ask for God's forgiveness, and I want to say to you with all my heart, I am very sorry. I didn't expect an apology today, but it was extremely meaningful. And knowing that he has come into Canada... To hear from our survivors, you know, being that the next step, I had a huge sense of relief because I know when I go home, that's going to mean a lot to our people. To Kamloops to Shwetmik cook P. Roseanne Kazmier says the pontiff gave each delegate group a symbolic gift of a bronze statue. It was extending an olive branch. So truly, such meaningfulness behind the thoughtfulness of the gift that was presented to each. As he took in the testimonies of Indigenous delegates this week, Pope Francis said an image kept coming up for him of the branches of a tree battered by powerful winds, yet anchored to their roots. It's a historical first step. However, only a first step. Uh, in our case, uh, we are ecstatic. To see action that really will be the hallmark of this reconciliation journey with the church. While calls are growing for urgent action, including criminal prosecutions for the crimes committed in the assimilation institutions, this moment is meaningful for many. And then I told him, don't forget our children. And he said, we won't. My heart is so full I can hardly speak. The Pope's visit to Canada is possibly on July 26th, around the day of St. Anne's Feast. Delegates here say the next step in this process is the pontiff apologizing on Indigenous land. And they say it's important they have a say on how that trip to their territory unfolds. Sophie? Thank you, Nitu. 
As Nithu mentioned, the Pope's apology is being met with mixed reaction from Indigenous leaders. As Catherine Urquhart reports, while some are calling the apology a landmark moment in reconciliation, others say they're waiting for the Pope's words to be followed up with concrete action. It has been almost a year since ground-penetrating radar is believed to have identified approximately 200 potential burial sites outside the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. Several other potential burial sites have also been located. Now, an apology from Pope Francis. And I want to say to you with all my heart, I am very sorry. I wasn't expecting this. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a double wild Friday for sure. Uh, the sun is shining on the Vatican and our people have waited for a very, very long time to hear those beautiful words. An estimated 150,000 Indigenous children were forced into residential schools from the late 1800s until 1996. There they were isolated, robbed of their culture, and many were horribly abused. About 60% of the schools were operated by the Catholic Church. News of the apology is prompting a range of reactions. The Pope's apology is too late, obviously. And, uh, you know, what we're talking about is international crimes against humanity. And an apology isn't a get-out-of-jail card. 93 is our number. Earlier this year, it was announced that 93 unmarked graves were believed to have been located near St. Joseph's Mission Residential School in Williams Lake. Rick Gilbert attended the school for six years and anticipates the apology is just the beginning. I'm hopeful that he's going to direct the Canadian bishops to start doing something concrete in regards to this apology. Many others are also hoping something substantive results from the apology, action that Indigenous peoples have been awaiting for decades. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. And the Prime Minister welcomed the Pope's apology, calling the pontiff's acknowledgement an important step in Canada's journey of reconciliation. I want to acknowledge Pope Francis's apology for the church's role in the abuses that took place in the residential school system. We look forward to him coming to Canada to deliver that apology in person. This apology would not have happened without the long advocacy of survivors who journeyed to tell their truths directly to the institution responsible and recounted and relived their painful memories. It took a tremendous amount of bravery and determination. And we understand these stories might be triggering to some of our viewers. Support is available for survivors and their families. The number is toll-free 24 hours a day, 1-800-721-0066. Well, Canada's travel rules for fully vaccinated travellers officially changed today. Rumina Dea is live at the Peace Arch border with more on what you need to know. Rumina. 
Sophie, Canadians clearly taking advantage of the relaxed rules here at the Peace Arch. The lineups are long. It looks like a parking lot. Um, all the lanes are open here except for one. We spoke to a couple of travelers who were telling us that they waited roughly an hour and a half to get back into Canada. So here's what you need to know about the change in the rules. This is what's been dropped. As long as you are vaccinated and you're driving across the border, you can do it both ways and no COVID-19 test is required. Now, if you're driving back into Canada, you still need to provide proof of vaccination. You have to have all your information loaded on the Arrive Can app prior to talking to one of the border guards. If you're unvaccinated or partially vaccinated, meaning one shot, you still require a test. And also random testing is in place for all travelers. The U.S. is our biggest opportunity, our nearest term opportunity. And of course, with some of the tragic things going on in Europe, there, um, there's a lot of unsettled decision making in amongst our European visitors. So um, while we think Europe will um, be, have a strong comeback as well, um, it's a little less certain than uh, what's happening down in the U.S. Now, Sophie, it's a different story, of course, if you're flying into the United States. Uh, that includes Hawaii. You're still going to need a rapid antigen test within one calendar day of your flight. Back to you. All right. Thanks for that. <laughs> Quite a sight to see those uh, cars lined up at the border once again. Ramina Dea at Peace Arch for us. Well, British Columbians, as you saw, are already taking advantage of those new border rules, driving south for cheaper prices across the border without the expense of a test. John Hua reports. Call it the uncaging of the Canadian cross-border shopper. It was very easy at the border, and uh, they said, go and have a good time. Day trippers looking for deals in the United States no longer hindered by the added cost of having to get a COVID-19 test before coming back home. It's exciting for me because, you know, it's like a mini vacay. The savings on this side of the border, not hard to find. A jug of milk costs $1.99 U.S., let's say $2.49 in Canadian dollars. Compare that to $5.89 here in B.C. 18 large eggs, the equivalent to $3.12 Canadian in Bellingham. $5.99 at your local grocery store. Maybe wait on the whole wheat bread. Around $2.49 Canadian at Fred Meyer. On sale for $2.29 back home. I think it's going to be exhilarating for people who do cross-border shopping. Hard also not to feel pumped when you see the price of gas. It's going to make life uh, simpler, uh, a lot of uh, trips more often. And for those wondering if it makes sense to cross the border to fill up your tank, we'll consider this. Here in Bellingham, Washington, the price of gas is $4.29 per gallon. And according to the website usgas.ca, that equals to about... $1.42 per liter, and that's in Canadian dollars. Comparing to Canada, it's really cheap here. It's worth the trip. And no cross-border shopping trip would be complete without a visit to Trader Joe's. I think a lot of folks come down like they border hop just to come here. Yes, I know. Then there are reasons you can't put a price on, like a father who hasn't seen his daughter in two years, escorting her back across the border as an extended goodbye. We spent a long time, two years, to see them again. For many people we spoke to, a test-free trip across the border is about moving forward from this pandemic while tackling the new challenge of affordability along the way. John Hua, Global News, Bellingham.
And let's take a look at our COVID-19 numbers now. We have 274 people in hospital. 35 of those patients are in the ICU. There have been four more deaths due to complications of the virus, and that pushes BC's death toll since the pandemic began to more than 3,000. We have 357 new confirmed cases in B.C. Canada's chief public health officer is warning people should continue to wear masks and get vaccinated as a sixth COVID-19 wave arrives. But as Richard Zussman tells us, this time around there is no recommendation to increase restrictions to combat those rising cases. It's being described as the difficult balance, weighing the spread of COVID-19 and the need to return to normal societal routines. The bottom line is everybody right now, I think, uh, should still wear their mask and keep those layers of measures, uh, no matter where you are in this country. The federal government presenting the latest COVID-19 modelling data Friday. COVID-19 cases up 28% from last week, linked to the more transmissible BA2 variant, waning immunity, and a return to more in-person activities. I would suggest that in anywhere in Canada, resurgence could occur this, this in the coming days or weeks when measures are relaxed. Federal health officials laying out the most realistic scenarios moving forward. Higher immunity due to high vaccination and prior infection, new variants emerging, leading to intermittent intermittent waves and outbreaks, but all manageable for the healthcare system. The impact on health systems such as hospitalizations is likely to be lower. That's not a guaranteed in every area of the country because of the differences in vaccine coverage. But there's still the worst case scenario, a variant causing large waves, leading to an increase in severe outcomes and strains on the healthcare system, leading to restrictive public health measures. We're hoping that we just mild, just like a common cold or something. And the other scenario that it will be, you know, severe, that the more people hospitalized, more people being admitted ICU, hopefully this, this won't happen. There is also concern about vaccination rates in children where infection has been less severe. Even so, only 40% of those 5 to 11 across the country are fully vaccinated, compared to more than 85% in every other age group. 40% vaccination is not a good indicator to produce any kind of herd immunity in that age group. So those are the people that are vulnerable. The other concern is around a booster or fourth dose and when it should be administered. The National Advisory Committee on Immunization has not yet provided a recommendation. BC is expected to update on this issue Tuesday. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And Keith Baldry joins us now with more. Keith, how are our numbers looking in BC when it comes to this talk of a sixth wave? Yeah, every wave looks different than previous waves. And be because we've got such high levels of vaccination, 91% of people over the age of 12 have had uh, two doses, almost 60% with three doses. So the layer of protection is here that wasn't there necessarily with earlier waves, which did lead to more hospitalizations. The, the indicators right now are looking pretty good. So first of all, our daily case numbers are actually going up just a bit, 13 in one week. Uh, but that's because the, the positivity rate is slowly rising because we're out more. We're intermingling and such, and we're gathering in larger numbers. 
numbers, but there's more encouraging information when it comes to hospitalizations. They are stable. They were really increasing for weeks. There are about 38 daily uh, hospital positive cases each day now. That number isn't really changing. And the most encouraging number of all are ICU cases. The most severe illness uh, is dropped to 35. That's the lowest uh, ICU cases since August of 2021. Uh, to put that in another way, uh, about a month ago, 47 people were on ventilators in ICUs. Those are the most severely ill people, literally needing me uh, mechanical breathing devices to stay alive. That number has dropped below 15. Also, the number of people dying right now was seven a day about a month ago. It's now down to three. So the numbers are looking good even as, as the six ways approaches. Hopefully, and hopefully they drop even further. All right, mm -hmm. thanks for that, Keith. Chilling messages left on the windshield. I'm watching you, boy. WP, white power. A Vancouver Island family terrified by racist threats. How the ordeal began and the police response next on the News Hour. Fallout from the slap. Will Smith resigns from the Academy. His statement and the Academy's next move later on the News Hour. Plus, spectacular sight along BC's south coast. How these bigs killer whales set a record this week. First, though, the Inve uh, Independent Investigations Office has been called in after a police-involved shooting in Surrey that's left one man dead. Jordan Armstrong is live in our newsroom with the details. Jordan, what happened? Sophie, RCMP say it all started just after 5.40 this morning when Mounties responded to a call of a failed armed robbery near 144th Street and 108th Avenue. A man had reportedly pulled a weapon on a woman and tried to steal some of her possessions. Soon after and nearby, there was a carjacking involving a weapon. About an hour later, an officer spotted a man matching the suspect description in the area of 142A Street and 87A Avenue and gave chase on foot. A confrontation followed and the officer fired their weapon, wounding the man. The suspect later died in hospital. The officer was not injured to our knowledge. Um, can't say too much about the, uh, the confrontation. We are, of course, gathering evidence about that. Um, it is an interesting um, type of uh, encounter in that this is a very residential area, um, not typically where these types of things occur. Um, but then again, our incidents do occur in, in, all sorts, in all sorts of places and all sorts of manner of activity. Now, as you heard, at one point the suspect was armed, but the Independent Investigations Office won't say if he was armed during that confrontation with police. Witnesses are asked to call the IIO. Sophie? All right, thanks for that, and we'll have more on that tonight. On Global News at 11, there was another unrelated shooting in Surrey today. A 48-year-old man was taken to hospital after being shot in a home in Newton. Surrey RCMP say it happened around 2.30 in the 12600 block of 97th Avenue. One man was found injured in the home. He was taken to hospital with serious life-threatening injuries. Two suspects fleeing the scene on bikes were taken into custody. On Vancouver Island, a South Asian family is living in fear after finding themselves targets of racist messages left on a vehicle in two separate locations, including outside their home. Kylie Stanton has their story and a warning. The details are disturbing. It's gut-wrenching. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, but some leave you speechless. I don't know what to say. Racism hasn't gone away. The woman who does not want to be identified is speaking on behalf of her South Asian family, who've been the target of hateful messages and racial threats for months. This is the first note that was left. Back in January, her brother discovered this on the windshield of his vehicle. 
It reads, your kind is not welcome here, complete with a blood drop cross, the insignia of the Ku Klux Klan. He was visiting his girlfriend, who was white, in Machosen at the time. Police were notified, but nothing came of it. Then, this Thursday, another note. Only this time, his vehicle was parked outside the family home in Saanich, 20 kilometers away. Right away, I thought, okay, someone followed him home to see where we live. I'm already a naturally paranoid person. So all, like, my senses are just heightened and just very, very, very paranoid. This one stated, this is your last Valentine here, N-word. The family filed another police report, this time with Saanich PD. And when officers came to investigate, a third note was found on the back of the car. And that one stated, I'm watching you, boy. WP, white power. It does constitute a charge under willful promotion of hatred. While these, these files are difficult to, to solve because they're just notes being left, uh, um, there's other avenues that we can explore to hopefully uh, stop this from continuing. In the meantime, police have advised the family to come up with a security plan. And while it's proactive, the family who have called Canada home for 50 years is refusing to cower because of these threats. Instead, speaking out on social media, sharing the hateful messages, writing racism exists even here in nice little Victoria, while questioning why it's all happening. This is not okay. We've got the community behind us to support us. You know, hopefully there's no more after this. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Saanich. The 13-year-old girl who was the focus of a public RCMP plea has been found safe. Vancouver Island RCMP say Peyton McDonald has been located and is safe and sound. Just yesterday, police went public asking for help in locating the girl who was first reported missing March 17th after the Ministry of Child and Family Development asked officers to perform a wellness check. Up next, the drama of the draw. That's ball, Laura. Please be Canada. Where Canada ended up and Squire sizes up our chances. And later, false positives, unnecessary anxiety, troubling results of new mammogram technology. Crews are replacing a power pole here in Surrey and southbound 152nd Street is blocked between 96th and 92nd Avenue. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $70 million plus an estimated 39 Max Millions. Lotto Max dreamed of the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. I have a problem in Surrey. Well, we now know who Canada will be playing at the World Cup in Qatar. The Canadian national men's team heading to their first World Cup since 1986. Squire is here to talk about Group F. Group F. When we went in 1986, we didn't score a goal. Didn't well, score we do a goal. I think we have a chance of scoring a goal this time. Although, I wouldn't say this is the toughest group we could have ended up in. It's certainly not the easiest group we could have ended up in. It's sort of in the middle. There is Belgium, who is the second-ranked team in the world, so they're going to be very difficult. Croatia, which was a finalist in last year's World, or the last World Cup four years ago. And Morocco, which is a good team, too. However, Axel Schuster, who, of course, runs the Vancouver Whitecaps from Germany, knows his football on the world level, said... Those three teams are going to be a little wary of us. I have I've followed a lot of World Cups and you, you always make your assumptions and then to go to a tournament is always different. Teams uh, uh, show up in World Cups different than they have shown up before because there's a different form of pressure, preparation to that. So I think Canada uh, will be a team that scares everyone in this group. 
it's a it's an opponent nobody wants to have in its group because it's a team uh, that has special skills, has a lot of speed, um, and for that reason, it's a team. I, I'm, I can tell everyone in this country, a team nobody likes to play, and that's always a good starter. Yeah, Belgium is the first team that Canada will play. They are equally as good at soccer as they are at waffles. They are excellent, Belgium, and they have some of the best players around. Uh, Croatia is going to be tough, too, and then Morocco is the final team Canada will play. I think the Canadians know that they're a long shot here, but they like the idea mm-hmm. that they're a long shot against these three teams. It's going to be fun, and I think this time around, we will score a goal. Maybe more than one. Looking forward to it, and now we have to wait until November. Yes, okay. but there'll be some exhibition games before that. Good. Yeah. All right. Thank okay. you, Squire. We'll talk to you a little bit later. Yes. Just ahead, a step toward normalcy in Kyiv. How residents are returning to daily life in the capital, while people in Mariupol struggle to get out. And later, controversy over the Little Campbell River, the potential impact of a new development. Traffic is steady in both directions over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge, with just a little leftover volume eastbound on the east-west connector through Richmond. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. The battle for the Ukrainian capital city of Kyiv has been so successful, life is actually getting back to some semblance of normal. But the picture is still much more bleak in the southern city of Mariupol. Aaron MacArthur has the latest. Tens of thousands of people still trapped in Mariupol. A convoy of humanitarian aid prevented from reaching the city Friday. According to Ukrainian sources, some 3,000 people did manage to leave here. But the large-scale evacuation planned by the Red Cross postponed. People growing increasingly desperate. This woman says we came here to the basement. We stayed in the basement because we don't know what happened to our apartment. A different story north of the Ukrainian capital. Residents in Irpin relieved that this part of the conflict is over. This man says it was a lot of shooting. Yesterday, it was mostly tanks. This woman says we were afraid to leave because they were shooting all the time. From the very first day, it was horrible when our house was hit. In the capital, life has returned to some sense of normal. Shops and restaurants are open, and people are out in the streets willing to live amidst the danger. If I'll die in next second, that will be okay because I'm in my home. Commanders confident Russians won't be able to capture this city, but worry about the damage that can still be inflicted. I don't think anybody's under any illusions that this is, this is done. I think, I think we've proven that we can defeat these, uh, this enemy. As peace talks continue virtually, NATO intelligence suggesting Russian troops aren't withdrawing as promised, but instead regrouping in Belarus, a sign this war will continue for some time. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. In health news tonight, a new study has some disappointing results about the latest mammogram technology. But doctors say there is a positive message for women. One of the biggest hopes for 3D mammograms was that they would reduce the number of false positives. 
abnormalities that turn out not to be cancer. But a new 10-year study has found 3D mammograms are expected to generate false positives at just a slightly lower rate than the older technology. The researchers say they're disappointed in the results, but they say there is one big takeaway from the study. If you do get that call from your doctor saying, you know, they saw something on your mammogram, they want to do additional imaging to work it up, you should be not worried about that because chances are that you don't have cancer and it's just part of the screening process. Doctors stress mammograms are screening tests, not diagnostic tests. Their purpose is to identify women who need to go on for more focused diagnostic imaging to see if the results are indeed cancer. Coming up, keepers of the Little Campbell River. How do we protect something that has no voice? We, ha we have to be the voice for it. Why the Semiamu First Nation is sounding the alarm about the potential impact of a new development. Plus, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences still hasn't decided on the Will Smith saga. But Smith himself has made a move. That's just ahead. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A spectacular and welcome sight along BC's south coast. A single day record 72 bigs killer whales were spotted Thursday between Puget Sound in Washington State and Campbell River in the Salish Sea. According to the Pacific Whale Watch Association, over the course of the day, 10 distinct groups were seen. The largest near the southern San Juan Islands contained 19 whales. Unlike endangered southern resident killer whales who feed on salmon, Biggs killer whales hunt mammals and are thriving thanks to the abundance of seals and sea lions in the region. A lower mainland First Nation is concerned for the future of a river it says is critical to its culture. Now that an industrial development has been given the green light in Surrey. As Paul Johnson reports, the Semiamu Nation says biologists claim the project will almost certainly damage crucial salmon habitat. Right from the beginning, this waterway has been of the utmost importance. We were told that there was a time when you could walk across the backs of the salmon. It was so plentiful. Most people in the Lower Mainland know this river as the Little Campbell. But spend a while with Semiamu First Nation Chief Harley Chapel, and you learn they call it the Tatlu. And they've been here for a very long time. When we equate that to Western science, it's somewhere in the, in the realm of 10,000 years. Long enough that the Semiamu feel they ought to have a place at the table when plans are being made that could affect the river. Recently, the city of Surrey and Metro Vancouver greenlighted plans to move ahead on the controversial expansion of light industrial zoning in a sensitive area upstream. The, the most productive salmon spawning habitat is right there, uh, right adjacent to where that development is being proposed. Christy Juto is one of several biologists who say in an era of declining salmon stocks, the Little Campbell remains a comparative bright spot with healthy populations of five species of salmon and trout. The main problem with that development is that the studies haven't been done to to measure what the impacts will be. While Juto worries about inadequate science, she shares Chapel's concern about inadequate consultation. Chapel says they only learned about this late in the game and from a third party. No, we were not consulted. On Friday, 
The city of Surrey shared with us documents that appear to show a number of consultations with the First Nation, though the earliest one appears to be in December 2021 for a project that's clearly been in the works for much longer than that. It was disappointing to hear that the, the approval went forward just based on the fact that it was a missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity to have Indigenous voice as part of the process. On the Semi-Amu First Nation, Paul Johnson, Global News. All right, time to check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon now. Christy, we have a high stream flow advisory in effect. Uh, what After our fall with our atmospheric rivers, it's a little worrisome, yeah. but remind us what it means. Okay, so let me break it down for you. We have two potent systems that are going to move in late in the weekend. There's still some uncertainty around exactly how much rainfall is expected. Still a day away, so tune back in tomorrow. Uh, but what we do know is this. So a high stream flow advisory is in place for these areas here, Sophie. And uh, what that means is this. So BC River Forecast Centre has put out, it's the potential for significant rise in the rivers. No major flooding is expected, but minor flooding is certainly possible. And don't forget, they will be updating this throughout the, the next couple of days as we continue to get a bit more information about these systems. Right now, the primary concern are small and low elevation rivers, and the peak would start to rise on Sunday, peak likely being on Monday. Uh, one other thing I just wanted to mention is that we are expecting the freezing level to be at about 12 to 1500 meters. So there will be some snow melt in through the North Shore Mountains. And really, the hardest hit areas are are expected to be the North Shore Mountains and the west coast of Vancouver Island. We're not expecting as much through the Coquihalla area, although the Coquihalla is expecting significant snow. Uh, here's a look at the forecast for tomorrow, but I want you to know there is a special weather statement in place for the Coquihalla, and this is Sunday through Tuesday. Heavy snowfall expected there from these same systems. Now, here's a look at your Saturday. We had been anticipating some sunshine for Saturday. There will be some for the the interior regions, but not as much for the south coast. The best chance of CNET would be in the morning on Saturday. We still have chance of showers now in the afternoon ahead of that system moving in. It'll be Saturday night into our Monday morning that we're expecting not only heavy rain, but also strong winds, Sophie. Tonight's weather window uh, comes to you from, actually, I don't know where it comes to you from, but Bob, Rob, pardon me, McLean sending us this. This is Murphy, and he's wondering, is this a cherry or a plum blossom. So <laughs> On the cute. tip of his nose. I'm pretty sure that's a plum. <laughs> it's cute. That's what it is. All right. Thanks, Christy. Will Smith has resigned from the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, saying he is heartbroken over his actions. Smith was facing possible suspension or expulsion from the Academy for slapping Chris Rock during the Oscars on Sunday after Rock told a joke about Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. In a statement, Smith calls his actions shocking, painful and inexcusable and says he will accept any additional consequences the Academy's Board of Governors deems appropriate. He says his actions hurt Rock. His family, many of his dear friends and loved ones, all those in attendance and global audiences at home. The Academy now says it has accepted Smith's resignation but is continuing with its own disciplinary proceedings. All right, Squire is here now. You know what I like about our show? What's no that? one ever gets slapped. We still have 17 minutes. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I think it'll be very benign. All right, what do you have? Okay, so... Um, for this country, being in the World Cup draw today was quite fun. 
And for the players, it was like a dream. To actually be in the draw and be a part of the World Cup this year, I mean, that's, that's big for all of us. So we will take a look at the group that Canada is in. And later, satellite debris. Squire sizing up the competition. What? Uh, oh, yes, I see what you're doing. Oh. I'm, I was totally out to lunch when you said that. You're still thinking I'm about... thinking, what competition are you meaning? <laughs> I know what you mean now. Uh, Canada has oh, done... Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of allergy medicine today, okay? Canada has done what it needed to do in North and Central America. Now it's time to take on the world. The Canadians will be part of Group F at the World Cup in a quartet with Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. I think we were really hoping for a spot in the easiest group, which is Group A, the one that has Qatar in it, but it could have been a lot tougher. The group we got into isn't that bad. Please be Canada. It was almost surreal hearing our country's name at a World Cup draw. Canada. You know, to have our team pulled out and, and just to see that, you know, this is real. You know, Canada's on the big stage now. It's got to enjoy the moment. I mean, it's an honor to play in a World Cup, playing against class teams, class players, uh, players we watched growing up. I mean, it's a dream come true. The dream includes a bit of a nightmarish opening against the Red Devils of Belgium, the most talented side this group of Canadians have ever played, led by Kevin De Bruyne, perhaps a number one midfielder in the world, who's surrounded by the number two ranked team in the world. You know, I think Belgium... We know their quality, players like De Bruyne and Lukaku and what they've done on the international stage and then the Croatians, who four years ago were the, the finalists. I mean, this is what we want. We want that underdog story. And Morocco is ranked 24th in the world as well, so they will also be an issue. But to these three teams, Canada is an issue. What impresses the rest of the world is Canada beat and tied a top 10 team in Mexico during qualifying. We'll be at our best when we rely on our grit, our spirit, and then to bring that, that no fear, you know, that opportunity that exists in them type of games against the best players in the world. The team that Canada has now is the most dynamic I've ever seen wear the red jersey. And their attacking force is second to none from what we've seen here. I think it's a team that puts others on the back foot a little bit. And the other thing that they have is adaptability. They can change up the way they play, not only from game to game, but within a game too. And those are some of the things I think will be Canadian strengths and have other teams worried about Canada for the first time maybe. Now, the Vancouver Whitecaps are home to Sporting Kansas City tomorrow, 5 o'clock at BC Place Stadium. It doesn't look like the Whitecaps will get... A full 90 minutes from either Ryan Gold or Brian White. Both are still not 100% because of injuries, but they will suit up and they should get at least some time on the field. Now, the Whitecaps, of course, have not won a game yet this season, and it's starting to get a bit concerning. And Vanny Sartini thinks his players should be concerned themselves. They should be like people who have their afterburners on all the time. Why am I saying this? Because... Vanny says this, but not quite in those words. So be forewarned. There is a bit of vulgarity in his answer. So if that's disturbing, or turn down the sound. I think that we need to feel the fact that we are with our back on the wall and we need to start win because 
we need to have a little bit of urgency, a little bit, uh, I don't know if I can say a little bit of fire in our ass, because we need to, we need to start making points. And uh, we played the actual number one in the Western Conference, we played the actual number two in the Eastern Conference. On the road, we played at home against a champion, so it have been also very challenging games. But yeah, we have to prove that now, and the team has to prove that now in the, in the following games, that they can do better and that they will do better. I think if the Whitecap players have flames in their backside, they might not play so well tomorrow. It might be tough. Okay, Valero, Texas, open from San Antonio. This is Merritt's Roger Sloan, 62 feet away for a bird. That's on the 13th hole. That's tough to do. But you know what's tougher to do? Doing it twice. Same round. Not quite as far, but 54 feet for a birdie. He made four birdies on his last six holes. He made the cut at minus one. Adam Hadwin tied for 22nd at minus four. Adam Svensson and Nick Taylor both missed the cut. National Lacrosse League action from Calgary. Warriors and Roughnecks. Logan Schuss with a goal here for uh, Vancouver. What is the score now? Well, Vancouver got one, but Calgary has five. They're only in the second, though. There you go. All right, stick around. Satellite Debris is up next. And just before Satellite Debris, Jordan Armstrong is here to talk about what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, a busy Friday night. The city of Abbotsford will consider future flood mitigation options next week. But we have the details tonight. The cheapest option, more than $200 million. The most expensive, nearly $3 billion. We'll tell you why. Also, an important message for TransLink commuters who pay with debit or credit. Check your bank statements because card skimmers have been found at several Canada Line stations. Find out which ones and what to look out for when buying your fare. These stories and more tonight at 11. Sophie? All right, sounds good. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, there is a camera on you. I was confused. I'm like, well, which camera is going to go? I'm looking the other way. All right, it's throwing me off a little bit. It is April 1st after all. Satellite debris on an April Fool's Day. Yes, but we're not going to do any no. April Fool's jokes. No. We're just going to show you a couple of things you haven't seen before, including this one uh, featuring Vancouver's own Ryan Reynolds. As the owner of Wrexham Football Club, I need to watch out for our players. I've been a star for a long time. These guys have no idea what's coming. It's cold. Look, we got a big match coming up, and I know what you're worried about. Cybersecurity. How many of you have heard of 1Password? Really? Okay, well, how many of you have downloaded 1Password? Wow, no idea Wales was so cutting edge. So I guess you know that uh, 1Password completely secures your digital life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will shove a red card so far up your ass, people will think it's your tongue. Now. Let's talk nighttime skincare routines. One password. Simplest, smartest, secure rear wrist. Wow, he went all Vanny Sartini there for a he second. He did, and uh, of course he <laughs> owns part of that team. Mm -hmm. That's uh, Rob McElhaney, I think, from, Very uh, from Philadelphia. Everything, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, yes. Okay. Very excited uh, about this next one. You're, oh yes, I know. You love the avocados from Mexico. Not just to eat them, but to enjoy their ads as well. Oh, nice. Max, Mr. Great's coming back this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Didn't he get eaten by that lion? Not all of them. He'll still play. Maximus the Great is dead! 
This is officially the worst tailgate I've ever been to. Barbarians. Hate it when they come to town. Well, tough. We drove for three months with our kids in an ox cart. Just to watch you get destroyed. Yeah, we made great time. Heard, mott, knock it off. We came to see Maximus get fed to the wolves live in person. You guys have wolves? Oh, we got a lot of animals this year. We got a lion, uh, we have a viper. Ooh, and the panda. Oh, he's so cute, uh, but hungry. Doesn't matter. We're gonna kick your... I'm sorry. What are you doing? Adding avocados from Mexico. They're always good. Want some? Let's kick this party up a notch. Here we go. You know, they also taste great on salads. Yeah, Caesar, we get it. I like love salads. Yeah. If that's what I'm known for, I'll be happy. Avocados from Mexico. <gasps> Caesar. Yes. Oh, in this next ad, which is uh, for Coke Zero, if you're a fan of uh, Bob's Burgers or Archer, the cartoon series, you'll recognize the voice. Hey, honey, thanks again for picking up my parents at the airport. I love how I can count on you. Um, just leaving Don't feel bad. It's not your fault you forgot to go to the airport. Video games are amazing. Did you develop the stunningly lifelike graphics? No, you've always been a terrible artist. And come on, 92 animators were used to make this one scene. Millions were spent. Reality can't compare. Plus, the virtual world allows for a more real representation of who you really are, free from society's definitions and limitations. And what are you gonna do? Just sit idly by while Lord Skilbreth lays siege to Dopenshire? Not today. Sorry, Kim. He loves your parents, but the Brotherhood of Falcons needs him. Baker, take attention! So go forth, brave knight, and enjoy everything. Coke Zero. Very intense. H. John Benjamin. The voice That's of the uh, Bob and Bob's Burgers and Archer. In Archer. I see. There you go. All right, thank you, Squire. You're welcome. Final word to Christy. Well, it's raining right now, Sophie, and we are expecting a bit of blue sky tomorrow morning, but not much before showers push in. The heaviest rain, though, will be Saturday night into Sunday morning. Maybe a bit of a lull Saturday afternoon before heavy rain builds again late Sunday. We'll be watching it. All right. Thanks for joining us tonight. Good night, all. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.